You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Brewers baseball and we bring in Adam McAlvey of MLB.com. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Let's start with the dark horses to make the roster. I know uh, all 30 clubs have been writing about this, but for specifically for the Brewers, who do you think is a dark horse and what's the likelihood they actually make the opening day roster? Yeah, I like this project because I want to go around and see if any of my colleagues cheated and put in guys <laughs> who are just simply in competitions, you know, maybe at the back end of competitions. I tried to really go with dark horses, guys that, as we sit here, I don't think many people have not penciled into their 25-man roster. But if things break right, if someone, look, someone comes, this happens in strict training, guys get sore elbows, a little pull a hammy, and all of a sudden opportunity opens up. So I'll give you uh, two or three that I'm interested in. Taylor Williams is one. He is a, a former top pitching prospect. He's kind of climbed his way back to those lists now after coming back from Tommy John surgery. He has a electric right arm, so good that a couple of spring trainings ago in his first big league camp, he was so good in the first live BP that guys were talking about Craig Kimbrell as the comp. Hmm. Well, he did a little too much too early, hurt his elbow, missed that whole year, had Tommy John surgery, missed an entire following season. And then last season, finally got back on the mound and kind of reestablished himself, got a surprise September call-up. I just love the kid as a, a guy who could play a role in this bullpen this season and has the potential, if he stays healthy, to be a really impactful bullpen arm and still only 26 years old, so has a chance to still you know, have a good major league career. Um, really interesting player in camp. Then you sort of go to the other side, on the uh, older side of things. The Brewers have Ernesto Frieri in camp. You, you, you know, he's a name guy. I think people remember, former closer of the Angels. Um, he's, been out of, he's had a handful of appearances uh, last year with the, the Rangers, but before that hadn't pitched in the big leagues for a couple of years but was throwing hard again, and it's just a guy in camp who has a chance. And I think if you go around to every uh, major league clubhouse in spring training, there's guys who, uh, as Craig Council says, once you have an elite, if you have one elite year in the big leagues, which uh, Freire does, you know that's in there, and teams will kind of take a shot on a guy to see if they can rediscover that a little bit. And that's where the Brewers are at with a guy like Freire. And, you know, bullpen races can be a little – a little malleable, um, things happen, guys go down, and all of a sudden there's opportunity for someone you didn't think there would be an opportunity for. And I think he's also in that mix. So, look, I think most GMs, if they're honest, they, they have a pretty good idea, even as spring training begins, what their opening day roster is going to look like. But we've seen it here in Milwaukee. You see it all over baseball. A huge camp can sort of change the equation a little bit, and, and there is – there are instances of guys playing their way onto a big league roster, so we'll see if anyone can do that here in Brewers Camp. All right, we got 35 days till opening day, so it's winding down, but still a lot of spring left for those uh, those battles to work themselves out. The top prospect list also came out, and when you look at the Brewers' top prospects, what stands out to you, and what does this mean for this organization's farm system? Well, it stands out the change uh, as a result of trading for Christian Yelich with the Marlins. The Brewers gave up Lewis Brinson and Monty Harrison, who would have been, um, I believe those guys are 1-2 now on the Marlins list. Double-check me on that. But they are 
extreme high prospects. Brinson had been number one for the Brewers, and Monte Harrison was going to make a huge jump after his best professional season. A great raw power hitter, tremendous athlete. And there's one Brewers coach, who minor league coach, who told me he thinks when it's all said and done, Harrison's going to be the best player in that trade. So we'll see. But look, for the Brewers, they still have uh, quality players. They had three in our MLB Pipeline Top 100. The new number one is Keston Hira, their number one draft pick last year. And what's interesting about him is the Brewers drafted him with an existing elbow issue. He avoided surgery, but he basically only hit in his first half season as a pro. Uh, In instructs by the end of the year, he was throwing again um, and sort of back to full duty as a second baseman. So we'll see what he can do now in camp. He's healthy again. Uh, He gets to be a position player again. And the thought is, as a, a college bat, that he could be a guy who moves pretty quickly. Uh, second base is a position that is in flux right now for the Brewers. They've got Johnny B.R. and Eric Sogard in the big leagues. But um, Hira is one of these middle infield prospects who certainly is has a chance to come up and play relatively soon in the big leagues if he progresses the way the Brewers think he will progress. I think the other thing I would just say is it's it's looking – like after years of the Brewers being really good at developing position players, um, you know, all the way back to, say, Prince Fielder in the uh, early and mid-2000s, they have some pitchers now that they really like. Um, their two, three prospects are Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, both pitchers. Woodruff got a little taste of the big last year, and he's competing for a spot in the starting rotation this spring. And then further down, there are guys in camp, you know, in the, I think they're 10-11 on our list, Freddie Peralta and uh, Marcos Diplon, who's, you know, just guys who are a little lower in the system but have a chance to be pretty good. It just appears that the Brewers now, and look, there's Josh Hader in the big leagues too. He just lost his prospect status late last season. So, so it looks like they have a chance to have some pitchers come up and make an impact. That's going to be really important because while the payroll is going up this year, they're just never going to be – on the par of the Dodgers and the Yankees in terms of spending, um, often a large percentage of that, even the Cubs, a large percentage of that spending, look at you, Darvish, goes to pitchers, and the Brewers are going to have to develop those guys. So, uh, you know, there's a lot riding on some of these pitchers that are now climbing up the list. All right, cool. We'll be able to uh, see some of them this spring, which will be kind of exciting. By the way, live game action tomorrow. I know fans are going absolutely crazy because uh, this has been a very long offseason, to say the least. So who's playing, who's pitching, and who's somebody that fans should be watching for? Well, the Brewers start hot. They have split squad games uh, tomorrow against the Cubs and Giants, which is really tough for the manager and the coaches because – Spring training is shortened this year. They've had three days of full workouts with the full squad, and here they play split squads on the first day. So they're going to use a lot of the minor leaguers that they have over in a mini camp, an early mini camp. Um, They're going to have to rely on those guys a lot because, look, the starting pitchers for the Brewers tomorrow are Brent Suter against the Cubs at home and Aaron Wilkerson against the Giants on the road, both guys going for two open spots in the Brewers' rotation. But Suter might throw two innings. Wilkerson's going to throw one. So you need innings. Um, and even the, the, the position players, too, you're not going to jump out there and play nine innings on the first day. So they're going to have to kind of rely on the whole camp, and it's going to mean opportunity early on for some of these younger guys in camp. Keston Hero, who we just talked about, he's in his first major league camp. I think he's in one of the lineups tomorrow as a DH, so he's going to get at bats right off the bat as these games begin. Um, 
It was interesting, Alexa, talking to Craig Council about these games because the Brewers have this competition. They've got like six guys going for two rotation spots as things stand. And it was really interesting to hear him talk about how he looks at these early games. On one hand, you're, look, you're playing the game, you're always evaluating. On the other hand, he wants to sort of put that to the back of his mind right now and just give players a chance to get some innings, some at-bats under their belt before the council and the coaches start to make decisions in their heads. So that's going to be sort of the challenge, I think, in the first eh, week, two weeks of games, is to you know, not let anything cement in your mind. Let these guys get a little base underneath them. You know, on the other hand, though, Council was saying for this rotation battle, as innings climb, you just they, they become precious. And if you've got a starting pitcher slated to throw five innings, that just closes off uh, the number of innings you have for other guys. So at some point, they do have to make decisions. So that's kind of the tightrope that I think managers and coaches walk in these early games. Um, but the good news, as you said, is we get some games, we get a little bit more to write about than just watching Ryan Braun take grounders at first base. How much Ryan Braun are we going to see at first base this spring? Yeah, a lot, I think. I mean, they know he can play left field, right? So, you, you know, they don't need to see a ton of him there. Um, so when he does play in games, it's probably going to be more first base than the outfield just because that's where he needs the experience. He's not playing uh, on Friday in the Brewers' first games. That's not a surprise at all. Number one, Ryan Braun doesn't, he's not a guy who needs a lot of spring at bats to feel ready. That's been much discussed. Um, and, you know, they want him to be able to get some workouts at the position at first in these morning sessions that they do before they're throwing him out there in a game. It's a lot, you know, first base is interesting. I played first base in Little League. So, and I think a lot of people listening to this probably did. And you think, first base is so easy. I did it as a 12-year-old. Well, first base is not easy. Let's just, I, I wish we could sort of solve that once and for all. There's a lot involved in playing first base at the major league level in terms of positioning, getting to the bag, you know, helping out your infielders when they bounce a throw, uh, cutoffs and relays. There are a million things that has to process through the head of a first baseman, and for the really good ones, the stuff all just comes naturally. For Ryan Braun, this is his first time at the position. And, yeah, he has a background as an infielder, um, shortstop and third base, but this is all new on that right side of the infield, and there's, there's some stuff to learn. So I think it's going to be, you know, they're confident it's going to work out. Um, they're confident that when they get to open day, they're at least going to have the option of playing him there some in the regular season. But he's just got to get those reps in. And I think they want to allow him to do that in a, you know, a non-pressurized situation before they throw him in a game. Spring training games are, you know, he knows better than anybody. They don't matter. But, look, a game's a game. Fans in the stands. Um, there's some level of intensity there. And I think you want to just get him comfortable at the position before you throw him out there in a game. And when can fans see the new guys? When are Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain going to, uh, you know, be playing some meaningful innings? Well, Lorenzo Cain, Craig Council wasn't sure as of Thursday morning. He hadn't had that chat yet with Kane about how much he wants to play and whether they were going to put him out there right away in the split squads on Friday. But Yelich is going to play. He's going to play in the home game against the Cubs. Um, so, look, it's like many of these established players, you play a couple innings, get a in bat or two, call it a day. That, that is what Christian Yelich will do. But it means kind of the beginning for him. And, and as we're talking about Ryan Braun changing positions, uh, they're going to expose Christian Yelich to some right field this spring. 
as a just-in-case. Craig Council said the expectation is that Yelich will still primarily play left field, but they just want to have the option open. Remember, Domingo Santana, the right fielder, has come up in a lot of trade rumors. That remains a possibility if the Brewers want to add to their core of starting pitchers. Uh, Santana is a possibility to flip for a, a, an arm. So that would mean they would need a right fielder, and then Yelich would become one of the candidates for that. Maybe Ryan Braun, he's played there before. He's more comfortable in left. Um, so that outfield alignment remains in flux, and they're going to have to figure it out. It's, it's right now Braun, Yelich, Lorenzo Kane is the center fielder, and right now Domingo Santana is the right fielder. So Braun, Yelich, two pretty good players for one spot, and they're going to have to figure out how to spread the at-bats around and one way is to just see, give Yelich a couple of reps in right field and see how that goes. I don't know that that's going to begin tomorrow, but we will definitely see Yelich at that position sometime this spring. One of the main ways the Brewers grabbed headlines last year was the uh, power bat of Eric Thames hitting crushing home runs. And the fact that, you know, we were learning about him as we were going, especially on the national stage. I know Brewers fans knew more about him than, than we did. You learned a little bit about him this offseason and a little bit more about, uh, you know, what he likes to do in his spare time. He's an avid reader. And yep. you're kind of linking that to how he's going to come into this season. How so? Yeah, well, look, he is, I said last year he's the most interesting man in baseball. I still feel that. Um, he's got a story for everything. And he is a reader. He tries to read 30 minutes a day, often more. Um, his in-season routine is, you know, you play the game, you get home late. He's up at 10. He reads for a half hour, an hour, and sort of clear his mind, clear the mechanism a little bit. And last season coming into camp, he read some history, but also a lot of self-help stuff, some motivational stuff. Remember, he was coming off three huge years in Korea, returning to Major League Baseball, and it was kind of unknown what he was going to do. And from Thames' perspective, it was having to relearn the league, relearn all the pitchers he's facing. The strike zone's a little different. The schedule was much different, much more of a grind than they play in Korea. And it was all, all those experiences went into his wild 2017, where he started off as the next coming of Babe Ruth, and then cooled a little, then finished really hot again. He had this roller coaster to some pretty big numbers. So his goal for this year is to sort of even out the roller coaster a little bit. And I thought it was, I don't know, maybe there's a little symbolism in the fact that he spent his offseason reading English lit. He's just a little more relaxed, he said. And he's reading The Count of Monte Cristo right now. Um, you know, I think he's just in a good place mentally. He feels like he has that year under his belt. He can smile and breathe a little bit more in some of these workouts. He knows what's ahead. And, um, you know, I think his reading list maybe reflects that a little bit. No more self-help. He's now reading for fun. Revere the beard. I love that. That'll be the name yeah. of his book uh, one well, day that the rest of us will read. You, I, I just came in uh, from the clubhouse before uh, we, we talked, and he's got um, – he was the Good Guy Award winner from the Milwaukee chapter of the BBWA last year. And a friend of his saw that and was just – so tickled by it that he had shirts, a sweatshirt and some t-shirts made up and he sent them to Thames. So Thames is walking around right now with sort of the, you know, his, his mug with the big beard, obviously. And then it says on it, you know, good guy, 2017. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's, he's just a little more rooted this year, having that, that first full season in the books back in MLB. 
I like it. I'm excited to see uh, how that translates onto the field. All right, that's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extra as our Brewers edition. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate all the info. All right, see you next week.